0: On this episode of Heart of the Faithful Ministries, Sergio Wooden and I finish our conversation on things that bring anxiety during these difficult times. Last episode, we talked about COVID and we talked about race issues and how we could bring unity even amidst these very hard to deal with issues. And now we're going to tackle politics and maybe even get a little bit further. I have seen on Facebook many Christians who have talked about their beliefs in the political system more than they have ever talked about their beliefs in Jesus Christ. And these are some people that I have known that have come to church regularly, but have still put more faith in our democracy than they have in The church. And I guess the question that I have for you is, has capitalism kind of been a downfall for Christianity up to this point? If not a downfall, I would say more of a detriment to Christianity because we've become so comfortable that we feel that we are secure, where other countries that don't have the securities that we have given to us legally through our rights as citizens of this nation. Those other countries, they are suffering an oppression because they don't have the rights to meet, but yet they will go into the night and meet. They don't have the right to talk about Christ, but secretly they will have memorized books of the Bible or pages of the Bible so that they can get together and actually talk about Jesus. They want and they crave more than we as a nation in the United States, more of Christ than it seems that we want to. And I can, I can see the difference between a person who knows Christ and definitely knows Christ who is a Christian, who has a heart for God, as opposed to someone who who isn't. And most of that came through what you would say in the political arena.
1: So to answer the question, I I don't believe it's necessarily capitalism, but I would say it's comfort and uh, complacency. And whether or not capitalism helps us become comfortable and then complacent, I'll let you decide. But the comfort that we, the comforts that we have in America, um, much to your point, we don't know what it is to be persecuted, and I fear that we're going to see it uh, sooner or vice later. We don't know what it is to truly be persecuted as Christians. Uh, you talk about your Chinese brother and sister and and, all your North Korean brothers and sisters or your brothers and sisters in Iraq and in the United Arab Emirates or in places uh, like the Congo or in Jafar. Uh, We're talking about just the mere appearance that you would have entertain listening to a christian thought will get you killed without that real oppressive thought anywhere in our psyche uh we have gotten to a point where hey i, I i'm a christian I, I i can go to church if i want to but i really want to focus more on politics and i will tell you i, I go back to scripture and you know, Christ was very clear: render under Caesar what is Caesar's. What does that mean? Anything that is Caesar's, the the whole political construct, the whole uh, black uh, black eye thing that comes with it, because of the 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 venom that is spewed, all of the negativity that is associated with, leave that there. But the things of God, the things that are eternal, the things that are going to matter when it comes to where you will spend eternity, yeah, that's what really is going to matter. And so with that in mind, you know, if you want to be political, by all means. But at the end of the day, um, I go back to something that the song has, has said, and as uh, the song was crafted, it took from scripture. Every shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When it says every, it means every. And no matter what um, political party may have existed, No matter what person may have uh, been a part of an office, no matter what uh, things they may have enacted, when it all comes down to it, all will have to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And his judgment over us and what we've done is final. And, And that's what I speak to.
0: Our butterfly effect on the world, we think it's minuscule, but the polarization of our views and trying to push and throw our views onto people and to force people who are not Christian, they're not saved. They don't know the Lord. They don't hold the same worldview as we do, but to try to push that and to use platforms like social media where we feel that we're safe in our bubble and we could say whatever it is we want to say, we are kind of creating more of a divide. Aren't we? I mean, it affects our witness if I'm not mistaken.
1: It, it, it does. And what it it does is it, it, it shows them that, um, when we say that we are to, uh, Extend a grace, love, and mercy, but in the instance that a, a political uh, situation does not go how we think, we are yelling and screaming and saying that this was stolen or that was wrong or this was crooked without just acknowledging, okay, this happened. There's nothing more than I can do about it except for the most important thing which is praying. There's nothing greater than the power of prayer. If you know whom you're praying to, and if you trust that that prayer will be heard and answered according to the power and authority and the will of God. And, th- and that again is the crux of it all. If you proclaim this, and you say you live this, but there's no fruit or evidence of it, are you just a Christian in name, or are you a Christian in life? And I say that to say, uh, when we are Christian in life, it is evident, and it has far greater impact than if I'm a Christian in name, I say names, but then come back and contradict, and have all the world seeing that I'm a hypocrite.
0: You know, I that reminds me of a story of a uh, a fellow that I knew. He he was a Jewish. And for him, he didn't understand Christians at all. He he only understood his Jewish nature. And he wasn't very devout. Um, but he ended up having a little problem with his car. And it broke down. And there on the side of the road, he was stuck. And a woman stopped. And she... She picked him up and she took him from there to his home. And when he got home, he went to his wife and he talked to her about the fact that if I ever thought that there was a Christ, this woman would have been a perfect example. Because through her love for him and through her enthusiasm, he Felt, or he knew that there was something different about this Christian, this woman who proclaimed to be Christian. There was something different. And I think that's the thing with us as Christians. We have to become different. We have to be different than the world is. And we know that politicians and media have used our anxieties. They have exploited us by monetizing our anger and our pain and through deception, through lies, or even through the truth, but generated with a spin, we are finding this wedge just being knocked in between all of us as human beings. And it's all so that people can get rich. The, the media can get ratings because of our anger and because of our hate, now, with all of that anxiety that's been generated, I'm gonna ask you this, Sergio. okay. How do we as Christians personally cope with these anxieties?
1: so what well, what we have to start with is um, getting back to um, spending time deliberate, intentional time. Uh, in God's Word. Uh, And the very first thing that, uh, very first passage that comes to mind is um, Jeremiah 29, 11. I I know the plans that I have for you to to, to prosper you, to give you a hope, to give you a purpose. When God says he's going to give you something, you have to take it as the gospel, because there's nowhere in my life that I have seen that he has withheld his promise except for when I was the furthest away from him. And notice I said, I was the furthest away from him, not he was the furthest away from me. So we, when we get back to deliberately spending time in his words, we know that there's that promise. And there's uh, the, the reminder be not anxious for anything uh, that is to take place tomorrow, but worry only about today's things because what you have today is enough. And what I mean by that in, in using that particular passage is that you have all the grace that you would need for today to get you through the day for it God's will that you get through the day and you need to approach the day and be mindful who needs that kind word who needs that word of peace or encouragement or revelation in their lives when we are able to get back to God's word intentionally and deliberately we will see that some of our cares are uh, easily removed. Now, and there are going to be some that are a little bit more difficult, but he says in scripture, uh, you must be less in order for me to be great. Okay? And by his, by my own afflictions, I am I made strong because my strength is in my dependence on a God of all power all ability, all authority. When I rested in assurance on that, then again, some of the, the stresses and some of the, uh, the things that would nag at me or cause me to, to doubt or to, to drift into uh, depression or despair are no longer there. And in that, then I can know that there's hope, that there's a, a purpose and that there's a, a future. When I realize that there's a hope in Christ that is not tied to the material, the status, or anything else, color, creed, um, you know, when I realize that hope is in Christ and Christ alone and that I may have to endure some things, but he said that I would endure some things if my hope is that I will eventually get far greater than what I could have ever in comparison received here on earth It's hope. And that I know that the eternity that I will spend with the one who gave me that hope is far greater than the life that I could have lived. Now, um, that isn't to say he wants us to live um, depressing lives or lives that are just filled with this singular thought. Uh, what it really then is calling us to do is to consider how else are we to live uh, I, I years ago um, set through a seminar that I, I think is probably saved more marriages than they know uh, and it wasn't a marriage seminar but it was a financial piece done by Dave Ramsey but this this singular thought that he kept putting out, throughout his presentation was this, live like no other so that you can live like no other. And when I've shared it with people, they're like, you just said the same thing twice. No, listen. We are to live like Christ believers, focused on Christ, focused on the things of God. And if we live like that, then we can live like no other. We can live without anxiety. We can live without fear. We can live without um, really having toxic relationships be a part of our lives because we will have been steered clear, shown away away from, and given an opportunity to be brought into something greater than we could have ever imagined. Live like no other so that you can live like no other. That's how we address the anxiety and the fears and the concerns. When we live like we are living with the God of all power and ability with us, as he said he would be, we can live like no other because we know that we're safely in his hands and he will take care of us.
0: Absolutely. And there's a reason I believe that the, commandments are stated the way they are through the words of Jesus Christ. He says, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, you know, they spoke to him. They said, you know, to love the Lord, thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind and all thyself. So everything that you are, you're supposed to love the Lord, your God, which is a phenomenal. Um, it's, it's just, uh, you are taking care of the religious side. You are taking care of the spiritual side of your nature and you're, you're loving the Lord, your God. And then he says, and what is the second but equal command? And that's to love your neighbor as yourself, just as we spoke before. But the reason that he said that, I believe, is because we have to learn to love God. We have to learn to love ourselves. And we have to learn to love and know who we are in God so that we can actually share that love. Because if we try to give love and we try to exhaust ourselves by trying to be something that we are not called to be, then we are just going to suffer burnout and we are not going to actually accomplish anything. But as a church, if we learn to love through the power of God, knowing who we are in him and believing who we are in him and living with that intentionality of being a better person through Christ, not just trying to be a better person because there's, there are plenty of people that are trying to fake it until they make it. But honestly, we don't need that in our society. And I don't want to be that person. I want to be a genuine Christian, someone who knows Christ, someone who actually is following Christ and trying to become more like him daily. That's the that's the thing that separates us from the rest of society is because we are trying to love with a power that is greater than ourselves. And that I believe that kind of you know emulates what you're saying with to live like no other so that you can live like no other. You could be in this world but you don't have to be a part of it. You could be greater than this world because someone that is
1: greater lives in you. Come on. You, 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 you said it. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what it boils down to. Um, and the, the more that we as Christians, um, truly echo that similar sentiment. And the more that we show how it's possible to live that life that we're called to live, the more, uh, of a positive impact we're going to have on not only our, our immediate families but our coworkers, our neighbors, the the folks that we see at the market, the folks that you know we 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 pass as we're taking our kids to whatever event we're going to be able to have an impact and influence on them and that's how we turn this whole matter around and turn it on its head and get it back to being all about God and not about this world.
0: I remember listening to a pastor who had said that he firmly believes that the end of times are coming, but he also firmly believes that God is going to have that one final push Before the end of times happen, before we go through the tribulation or, or before whatever happens, you know, pre-trib or post-trib rapture, whatever it is that you believe that before any of that actually comes to fruit, that we are going to see that final push of real true Christianity. And I think that this is a great time, especially with, you know, taking on podcasts like this or, or preaching in the pulpit Or finding new ways for us to have church in this COVID era, we need to refocus and work on our our views on discipleship, but also work on our views of becoming the Christians that are greater than those that Paul talked about in Ephesus when he said, you know, we have gone over and over and over again this the stuff that would be considered the milk of the Bible. <laughs> yes. we've, we've got to be able to get past the milk and to get into the meat. And I have a little group that we have been getting together uh, since last year, or, or now it'll be two years, but we've been getting together. Just It's now just uh, four of us, typically five on some occasions, Our group got larger and it got smaller because of COVID, but we have gotten so much depth just from meeting together and actually getting into the Bible and letting the Bible be our guide, letting the Holy spirit guide us and teach us what we need to know. And of course it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that one is, is sort of a Jewish scholar in his own right. And, and myself having degrees in, in ministry we are able to kind of talk these things out and learn new things from one and glean from one another. And there's this real iron that sharpening iron there. And so learning how to refocus on discipleship and becoming more devout, more intentional with our spiritual formation so that we can be the light that really is needed in a world that is becoming so incredibly darkened. The mud is thick because they want you to not be able to see one another as God sees you. They want us to see one another through lenses of hate, through lenses of of despair, through anxiety. They don't want us to be able to communicate. They don't want us to be able to unite because in that unification, God can do his greatest work. There it is. And and that is where I believe the church needs to refocus and come together, not through programs, not through having the greatest, you know, tight pants on the, the worship minister or, or even the, <laughs> the greatest, you know, even the greatest preaching, you know, is there's something to be said about a wonderful preacher. And I love to listen to to, to pastors who, who have the ability to just explain the Bible and to, to speak so eloquently, but it's that love through one another. That's, what's going to bring all of these people who are hurting to Christ is giving them a place to find acceptance for them to know. It's not about what you've done, but about who you are. Because whatever you feel is wrong with you, believe me, there are no hurts. There are no pains that cannot be brought to Christ. And that's where the church really needs to refocus is to be, I, I hate to to put it this way, because I used to say this about some of the restaurants in Atlanta, that it was the filter basket of Atlanta, because that's where all the, the crud tends to, to collect, uh, but <laughs> really the church needs to be that filter basket. It needs to be the place where people who are down and who don't feel that they are accepted, find acceptance. They find a place for them to be. And we can't do that as long as we are continuing to be divided. Cause how can you come together and share in ministry? If you can't even share a political view with one another,
1: that's one of the things that we have to, in and- be mindful. What do we? What value is it to talk politics if it divides us away from the spirit of God that is supposed to unify us? Uh, I, I'm mindful. I, I, I very rarely talk politics. I very rarely talk, um, you know, sports teams, and I very rarely. I, I, I kid you not. I, I because I've, I've seen it. Where you talk about the wrong sports team and the wrong to the wrong person at church and you might have a civil war on your hands. But again, it it goes to and it speaks to this. What is worth speaking about that would divide us from what God is unifying us to? And there's nothing. There's nothing worth talking about that may cause division uh, that undoes the work that God is trying to do in unifying us, under his banner. There's nothing. There's I mean, you you can't point to one singular thing that would make me say, yeah, I really want to discuss that. And I don't care how um, it may uh, cause friction. I'm going to talk about it. Um, Because it needs to be said. Especially if it's going to cause me to be divided from my brothers and sisters. I have to be mindful that everything that we say, do, and think must bring honor to God's name and must glorify his kingdom. And if it does not honor and glorify why why should we discuss it why should we labor in it if it does not do those two things and more to that it causes us to be divided to the point that we stop acknowledging that and we're believers on the same side of this you know or we're believers on one side of the coin and i'm a believer on the other side but, oh, we're on a quarter, but you're on the head side. Oh, you're not a tails quarter, so I, I can't do nothing with you. Uh, you're part of the same quarter. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. he's on the other side. But you you do realize that there's two sides to the quarter. I, I, no, I, I'm on the head side, and that's all that matters. That makes absolutely no sense.
0: And it's hard for someone to say, why should I listen to you? I mean, why should I listen to anyone who claims to be a Christian, but yet they can't even get along? They can't even have a conversation with one another. Right. And if we can't even have a conversation with one another, how are we going to have a conversation with others, especially in the areas of race? We saw how much heat those conversations got, whereas if everybody just calmed down, had the conversation and let each side speak because everybody has a valid point. Unfortunately, everybody has a valid point. Some people are a little bit too crazy, but that's okay. But there is validity somewhere deep down in these arguments of race. Same thing with political issues. There are so many polarizing views, but on both sides of those, both sides of the aisle, both sides of those beliefs, there is a validity to the arguments, but we can't hear that because we're too busy fighting and we're fighting amongst ourselves. So how can we even have that conversation? God forbid with somebody who doesn't hold our same belief or at least says that they're in the same country club.
1: Right. And to that point, it's one of those where, um, how do we, if we're not able to have a discussion like you uh, so eloquently stated, how are we going to approach someone who, um, says, how are you calling yourselves different when you're acting just like the world? The world is full of, hate and mean speak and division, you're divided within yourself. So how are you any different than the world? And that's another facet um, that I I want us to, uh, as, as humanly possible, to be mindful of. We are called not to be of this world. We're not to take stock in all that this world says and glorifies. What we are to take part in is the kingdom of God, and we know that we are sojourners. We're just here temporarily, and we know that uh, there's going to be a time when we either are ushered into our final destination and our final place, which is in heaven, or the alternative. And the fact of the matter is, is that uh, hell is a really real place. Uh, and there are some folks who don't think that they're going, they're going to be surprised when they find themselves there. And that's, that's a sad reality, but it it is still the truth.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it is very sad. It is very sad. I, I guess to kind of bring this whole thing to a close, Sergio, would you mind just kind of speaking to, this generation this this uh, the youth of today they have a ton of anxiety because they're kind of seeing what they're inheriting so kind of speak to the the anxieties of those who are younger who are looking at um looking at their faith and they're going through you know this this Information society where everything is coming against them, and then seeing the whole world kind of falling apart around them. If you wouldn't mind just kind of speaking to that generation and, and what they should be concerned with,
1: it's one that know who you whose you are, so you know who you are and how you act. And there's some folks who probably, when they hear that, are probably going to be like, "What is he saying?" Know whose you are, know who your identity is in. Uh the the identity of this world uh is ever changing. Uh one minute it's skinny jeans, one minute it's baggy jeans, one minute it's not jeans, it's uh sweatwear, one minute it's you know ultra-colorful uh uh hoodies, the next it's you know zip up puffy coats. But all of these are ever-changing. But whose you are, if you're a child of God, if you're a believer and follower of God, God is the same as He was, is, and forever will be. When you know whose you are, you know who you are. You are uh, an heir to the kingdom most high. You are a forgiven son or daughter. Uh, of Christ, uh, a son or daughter of God. You are uh, someone who has uh, the power of God flowing through you, and that drives what you do. Uh, And you are capable of doing uh, incredible, uh, influential, world-changing things. But it has to be those things in that sequence, in that balance. And notice that there are three things, and we know that there's the Holy Trinity, so it works itself out. But when you know who you are, you know who you are, and then you know what you have been called to do or what you can do. And Scripture echoes that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
0: I can't think of any better place to end this on. Thank you so much, Sergio, for joining me on Heart of the Faithful Ministries podcast. It has been a pleasure to speak with
1: you. My brother, it has been a blessing to me uh, more than you know. And I I hope that we get a chance to do it again. And I hope that it's a lot sooner than uh, just chatting with each other uh, on Facebook.
0: Absolutely. I love the 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 fact that we've actually been able to reconnect, but I, I definitely want to make sure that you understand that, brother, you will be coming back because I think we have hit on a lot of different issues, but there are plenty more for us to talk about. Um, so with that, we're going to end this podcast. I want to thank you all for joining us for Heart of the Faithful Ministries podcast, where we are guarding our hearts above all else for everything that we do comes from it. Thank you for joining us.